0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and open spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm your host, Teresa Retzloff, and with me in the studio today is Cecily Stewart from Newt Carose Landscaping and Nursery. Um, Welcome Cecily.
1: Thank you. It's so great to to see you.
0: I know. I've I've known you for a long time now. Our paths have crossed many times here in the Astoria area. but. I'm just so fascinated with what you're doing in your in your landscaping work now, and, you're, and the kind of trajectory of, of you growing up in this area and becoming a gardener and a landscaper, and you've had a lot of, of of side paths into farming. And so, tell us a little bit about how like where you grew up and how you got interested in gardening.
1: I grew up in Nassau, Washington. Uh, my family moved there when I was two, and uh, I. Just grew up gardening. My parents have always had a a big garden, and it's always been an interest of mine.
0: Was it a food garden? I mean, was that something yeah. that you guys were growing food yeah. and, and flowers or other plants as well, or?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but mostly focused on food gardening. Uh-huh. And- yeah, and then I have done produce farming for um, since I moved back here in 2010, and mm-hmm. I worked with um, Fred Johnson from Fred's Homegrown Produce and learned a lot about growing produce and gardening. Um, Which is very
0: different than a home garden.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, larger scale, so a uh, lot to learn there, and mm-hmm. that's That's what I've been doing for the last about five or six years.
0: Mm -hmm. And when did you start your own sort of landscaping business?
1: Um, That was about a year and a half ago, I guess, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's me and one other woman. And... Um, I have some really fun jobs that I've I've gotten to take on. I take care of the Bridgewater, the garden in front of the Bridgewater Bistro, and I've also been um, helping with the landscaping out at the Southwester. Oh, fun! In uh, yeah, in um in Seaview, Seaview, yeah, yeah. and I'm part of the <clears throat> team of people who work on the the grounds there. So. Oh, fun! That's such a cool place. Yeah,
0: it's really fun. So growing up gardening. I mean, not everyone takes to that. Sometimes when you're, when you kind of are grown up and it's like your job as a child is to like weed or be part of the garden, that's...
1: Oh, I was horrible at, uh, as a, yeah, as a child, I was like, I had my plot and I'm like, oh, yeah, weeding, Uh, later. Yeah. So mostly as a, an adult, I've... uh, (laughs) Yeah. So you came back
0: to it as an adult. Um...
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I'm one of eight kids. And so I'm, I mean, some of my other siblings are into gardening, but I definitely... I'm the one who really you're the one that that it took in yeah yeah
0: Yeah. that's so so what do you find I mean what do you like to grow if you're gardening for yourself do you like to grow edible plants still are you attracted to um herbs or medicinals or native plants I mean what are the things that that kind of really speak to you in this region because it's challenging growing in this region you know I mean growing food in this region can be hard for some people so what are the things that really speak to you
1: well I definitely love food gardening um but I've, I've you know I spent the last six or plus years um, doing produce farming and so uh-huh. you know after a while it kind of it's you can kind of burn out on it because it uh-huh. is just such hard work to, to do that yeah. and so um, I've also the last couple of years I've been taking an herbalism course and so with my nursery that I'm wanting to start. Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm just focusing on landscaping and um, planning to grow that business to be Mm -hmm. a nursery as well. And so with the nursery, I want to do medicinals, natives, and then fruit trees and berry bushes. So uh, I guess I would call that a permaculture nursery of sorts.
0: Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit before the show and talking about the whole concept of of permaculture. And that's something that, that speaks to you that you're really attracted to as a style of gardening and I I think that the the word permaculture is tossed around a lot and not everyone really understands well what it, what do you mean by that and I know it comes from the from permanent agriculture but maybe can you like talk a little bit about what what maybe what it means to you because I think I think people have different interpretations of of permaculture
1: Yeah it's a little bit hard to define because it's a a kind of a complex system of ideas that that go together but I'd say the basic idea is that you're wanting to C- create um again you said permanent agriculture so mm-hmm. using trees and uh shrubs and things that are going to be more long term in mm-hmm. your landscape combining those um in a kind of mimicking a forest environment so if you had like a fruit tree then you could um have around that uh berry bushes other other edible plants but mm-hmm. having it so that you're having multiple Um, canopy layers Mm -hmm. uh, of different heights Um, also another thing about it is is wanting to create efficiency so so um, in the permaculture idea you you start with like your home and then you have concentric circles going out from there and trying to have the things that are closest to you um, you know the things that you use the most and are gonna access the most being closest to you. Okay. And and then going out from so there. So like you
0: would put your, your salad greens right next to you know, your herbs, things that you would be using yeah. all the time, or maybe need to work on more closer to your house and then as you go out do more of the permanent plantings that need less maintenance or that you harvest from less frequently.
1: Yeah, and trying to keep that in mind of like, okay, if you if you put your salad greens way out far Mm -hmm. away from you, how often are you actually going to go out and harvest those and eat those? It's going to be less frequent. So if it's more convenient for you, and that's a that's a big part of permaculture is is trying to create less work over time. Like it can be a lot of work to establish, but um, that's that's the overall idea. I think is is your trying to create those efficiencies with the, with the systems yeah, that you're putting in. That
0: makes so much sense. And I feel like, um, you know, even if someone isn't thinking about their garden as a permaculture garden, I feel like that that idea of how do you lay out your garden and sometimes needing to like rethink it and rework it so that you are thinking about like, where am I growing this? Where am I accessing it? How far away is the water? How far away do I have to walk to do this? Where do I store my tools? and making that as efficient as possible makes you more likely to want to work in your garden. I know we've done some some pretty big sort of efficiency revisions on our farm at an only over the last few years and it's amazing how much easier it makes doing the work when you have things laid out in a way that's makes it more efficient and easier to do the work.
1: Yes. Yeah, it, it's it, it's huge actually. I mean, you, you don't always think about it, but as as you do more in farming or gardening or that type of thing, it's it over time you start mm-hmm. to notice like, yeah, this this is taking way too long. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or why do I have to go all the way across this yeah. way to get to my faucet?
0: Do you find like as you're doing landscaping for other people, are you able to work with people in their gardens and help them, you know, maybe rethink or think through? how their gardens are laid out to make it more appropriate for them or
1: well i have a mix of different types of clients um mm-hmm. again i was mentioning the bridgewater and the southwester cuz those are some pretty fun jobs for me cuz some of the work i do is just you know yard maintenance mm-hmm. mowing that sort of thing um but for instance with the southwester she has uh, uh the owner tondi has um, a lot of invasives there on the uh, the land and so that's been part of what we're doing is invasive removal but she's wanting to replace those with native plants and um, so yeah so that's you know that's in, so wonderful yeah yeah and one of the fun projects I'm uh, working with a designer April Jameson uh-huh. who um, there at the Southwestern and, and one project we did last year was um removing invasives and then putting in a native hedgerow oh, and so cool. um for people who don't know what that is it's like uh a mix of different types of plants that creates like a a barrier perhaps a windbreak but is also a place for um animals to to come and brings wildlife mm-hmm. to the area.
0: They can be really great songbird habitat. A lot of birds like to nest inside of a deep thicket of yeah. plants. It kind of protects them. And there's usually, I would imagine in um, in native hedgerows, there's, you know, bear, plants that produce fruit or berries. Maybe aren't always edible to people, but they're edible to birds um, or pollinators. A lot of times the yes. blooms of those are so important for pollinators. And um, I know you focus a lot on organic methods that that's something that you feel really passionate about so you know like providing food for pollinators is a big part of that
1: definitely yeah and that is an important piece of my landscaping business I do not use pesticides or herbicides and that sort of thing I've had some people who wanted me to and I just draw the line of like you know there's other people who can do that and Mm -hmm. I and I when I Got my horticulture certificate. That was through Clackamas Community College. And one of the um, things that I studied there was integrated pest management. And that um, is a system where you try to utilize uh, various methods to control pests. And you start with the least invasive method. And then you can go to pesticides as your last resort. Mm -hmm. But using... um, Biological, which would be like other insects that eat the pests, or um, sometimes uh, that could also be sometimes like bacteria or mm-hmm. things of that sort, or well, mechanical methods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, physically removing them or removing yep. their their habitat
0: or host plants that are causing those problems. I know that can be a huge problem, and it is a lot of work. Um, I know sometimes I, for our farm. You know, where we started growing, it had been just pasture for years and years. And then, you know, we started tilling it and putting in lots of different edible plants, you know, non-native to this area, European vegetables, Asian vegetables. And, you know, all of the pests showed up. And even though I had planted lots of host, host plants for beneficial insects, it took a while for those beneficials to show up. And, you know, I knew that on some sort of sub-level, there was a huge battle being fought on our farm. And I would surface every once in a while. But now I feel like we have – we're starting to have some amazing insects showing up. You know what I'm seeing? You know, I mean, hosts of you know, ladybird beetles, ladybugs, and you know, lacewings, and praying mantis. We have we had oh, a huge nice. population of praying mantis. <laughs> and these are all things that I haven't introduced any of them. But it just takes time. But this is like eight years later of doing this. But it can happen. It just takes patience and time.
1: Yeah, and helping create that space for them where, yeah, they're not getting – Poisoned, and yeah. They exactly, have things that they that they like, yeah. They go to exactly.
0: So they need food and habitat as well. So that that can be hard, and sometimes that makes your garden a little messier.
1: Definitely, yeah. Because you have to let
0: flower, you have to let plants go to flower and sometimes go to seed to provide that habitat, and not everyone's comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look uh, quote unquote perfect, but it's it's definitely a more natural method. And I think, you know, there's beauty in that as well, if you can appreciate the the dead seed pods yeah. or, and that sort of thing and the, and yeah. the little creatures that it brings in. So. I know.
0: I always kind of love it late in the fall when um, our, our dill goes totally to seed, which is great, you know, for making pickles as well. But also um, we have a huge population of swallowtail butterfly caterpillars oh, wow. that are just all over the dill. And I have to be really careful when I'm harvesting the dill like dill flowers to sell for people to make pickles and I've got (laughs) to go through and check them and I've definitely sent caterpillars off to people's (laughs) houses and they'll sometimes my CSA members will bring them back to me and like I brought your caterpillar back I think it wants to live on your farm (gasps) but you have to think about that but they're you know that's that's a host plant for them they love it and um, I've gotten really good about um, not freaking out when my cilantro starts to flower because beneficial insects love cilantro flowers, and it's so beautiful. It's these beautiful, airy, little lacy white flowers, and they're delicious. You they know? are. I mean, yeah,
1: we're kind of trained of like, oh, herbs. You're you're supposed to just use the leaf, but mm-hmm. that's definitely something I learned doing produce farming with Fred the last many years. It's mm-hmm. those, you know, thyme the flowers are or fantastic. chives. Or, yeah. yeah, any of the any of those um, are culinary herbs. The flowers are just incredibly delicious, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can take advantage of that. And
0: also provide some food for your your beneficials as well. Yeah, I know the bees love our thyme flowers. Oh yeah, um, and I have to. I'm like waiting. I'm waiting for the flowers to kind of be spent so that I can share them back because you you mostly are growing it for the leaves. Um, but I I wait and I always leave some plants to just be covered with flowers because the bees really love it.
1: Yeah, and I just started throwing those in salads and that sort of thing, and it's like it's. I never did. I mean, even though I grew up with a a veggie garden as a kid, there's just certain things I never had tried before. And I was like, this is really delicious, actually, to yeah. throw some of those in. Yeah. So for you, so you went through
0: training at Clack, it was you did a horticulture certificate. What was that like? What, what kind of things did you learn on that course?
1: Um, It's, let's see, it's, we had some greenhouses there on site. And so we would work in the greenhouses, um, learning some of the basic, just how to plant seed trays and stuff like that, which I already knew because I had been working in farming before. So some of that was kind of, you know, uh, repeat. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also took um, plant identification, the um, integrated pest management, as I mentioned. Um, What else? It's just like a good overview Mm -hmm. of like the basics of farming and nursery work. Kind of like maybe a little bit more
0: advanced, sort of a master gardener class, but with more of a gear towards Maybe training you for horticulture work.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can in that program you could go, go to or landscaping or nursery was like the choices. And I was going more toward nursery, even though now I'm doing landscaping. More landscaping. Yeah, but
0: you still dream of a nursery, and so yeah, that those are is all definitely my
1: future goal to get that. That set up, and when I was in that program, I did an internship at um, Northwoods Nursery in Malala, mm-hmm. and that was a really incredible experience. That nursery has been around, uh, I think. I think you started the year I was born, <laughs> so like, wow. Yeah, it's been so it's been like. Well, I'll give it away <laughs> here. I'm 35, so um, and the they have about 30 acres, and it's all fruit trees and berry bushes. And the owners go to around the world and collect different cultivars and specimen from the ukraine from korea and um, bring those back trying to find ones that work well for our, our northwest environment um so wow, that, that was has been such an amazing experience yeah it's so incredible just fruit trees and berry bushes everywhere and um got to do a lot of just fun projects as part of that so oh my gosh that sounds so amazing um I, for those of you who are
0: listening out there, um, I just want to remind you that you're listening to Coast Community Radio, KMUN Astoria, 91.9 FM, and KTCB Tillamook, 89.5 FM, and we're streaming at coastradio.org. And if you're just joining us... For in season this morning I am speaking with Cecily Stewart of Nucro's Nursery and Landscaping um, she's from Nacelle Washington and has been gardening in this area her entire life and, uh, and we were just talking about your horticulture degree from Clackamas um, you also mentioned learning how to prune there and being trained in pruning and that's something that I mean I still get kind of nervous pruning especially pruning fruit trees and things like that because I'm so aware of there's a right and a wrong way that's really where there is like you could do some damage if you do it wrong. So do you, how, how do you feel about pruning?
1: Yeah, so I did the Master Gardeners here in Clatsop County, and then I also did the mm. um, Horticulture Certificate. And so I did some pruning classes in both of those programs. And, um, you know, I still feel like I have a lot to learn, but mm-hmm. um, definitely got a good basic understanding of it. And um, that is one of the focuses in my landscaping business is I, f- I f- feel pretty confident now in, in my skills with that. And um, one thing I notice a lot is when people are pruning, they will leave some stem and not cut uh, cut flush up against where they've removed that branch. And by leaving that stem, often that will rot or bring in disease to the plant. And it's it's a small thing, but it's very important to... To do that right, and
0: so you uh, really want it when you're pruning a, a branch off of a, a tree or off of a bush, you want to cut it flush to the main stem.
1: Yeah, so there usually there's a little uh bit of of plant matter that you, you call the collar, mm-hmm. and it's just pretty thin, but like. I guess maybe a quarter of an inch it depends on the plant but mm-hmm. um so you just want to cut right on the other side of that that collar if you cut too deeply, so you deeply, leave the collar yeah if you cut too deeply that's a, a place for disease to come in but if you leave some then yeah. that tends to
0: rot.
1: what I find is like
0: the bark kind of changes and if you really look at it you do see that kind of ring where yeah wh- that you're talking about and if you kind of cut right to that yeah, I know there's I mean certainly in my early days of pruning that was a big mistake that I often make cuz I felt nervous like oh I don't want to cut it all the way back to the the stem or the, to the main Yes.
1: Yeah, and I see this all the time with clients is uh, when I'm trying to teach them about pruning they're like, "Oh, yeah, no, I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't want to cut too much." And and I'm like, "Well, it's it's going to be detrimental to to yeah. leave that that yeah. plant matter on there."
0: And sometimes you need to go back and actually like do do like a serious prune on something just to reignite the growth. I found I don't know if you see this in um, like with perennial herbs, things that people cut a lot sometimes for 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 culinary purpose. you know, maybe you have a big rosemary bush growing outside your house and you want it, you just need a little bit to make a recipe. so you just go out and take like a little three inches off the top of a stem, but every time you cut a plant, you're pruning it, and you're stimulating growth from where you make that cut. So you start to get these really weird herbs where they're they're branching and like the bottom's all woody and weird, and then there's just all the growth up at the top. And sometimes you need to just go back and really, really prune it.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes people don't don't really think about that. Like it depend, I guess it depends on your perspective. But when you, I mean, when you're harvesting something, that's the same thing as pruning. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, depending upon what the plant is, like mm-hmm. you know, with a tree, it wouldn't be, but. But for yeah, herbs and vegetables, it's it's yeah, you are pruning it off, and that allows the plant to regrow vigorously, mm-hmm. and as long as you're, again, not taking too much. But it's a really important piece of of working with plants. I mean, you know, you could just let things grow wild and let them go. But if you want to have that regrowth mm-hmm. and have your plant look really nice, then yeah, you got to get in there and That's do kind that, of having that. And kind of go and kind of go strong with it you know I feel like some people can kind of just oh just a little bit here and it's Mm -hmm. like well I find that that with with,
0: um, things like oregano which kind of it's like a a mound at the ground and then the the stems come out from that and I find that if you cut like at the base of the stem you're stimulating a new thing to grow but if you just take like half the stem off then it'll kind of branch from there and it gets kind of weird and then you don't end up having a whole lot of leaf anyway and it's You know, it kind of defeats the purpose of it. But sometimes cutting it at the base of the plant, you may end up with more than you actually need for whatever recipe you're making. In which case, I would say then dry it for later use if you can, you know.
1: Yeah, or give it away to somebody or just compost it. But definitely, yeah, don't be too shy about pruning, I would say. I think people should yeah. get in there and experiment with it. I mean, if you have a fruit tree or something like that, you, you know, yeah. you probably want to yeah. make sure you're doing that correctly, but
0: well, and that always seems like something that you would like it would either be good to, you know, read a really good book or go through a training program or have someone come in and prune your fruit tree with you if you've never done it before just to make sure you're doing it right cuz that can be something where you just essentially have pruned off all of next year's. Yeah potential fruit or flowers or whatever it is you're pruning for
1: definitely and i mentioned earlier um, april Jamison, who mm-hmm. is out of portland she has a business called garden ecology and she's someone i would recommend to people if if they need uh, fruit tree pruning and also uh, fruit tree disease control she's those are her specialties so
0: that's so cool yeah. I know you mentioned another project that you worked on that I thought was so inspiring. And I just want you to kind of briefly describe it. Um, you said you'd worked um, in Portland and with the um, the intersection. City Repair. Yeah. Explain what that is, because that sounded so inspiring to me.
1: Yeah. So I lived in Portland for about 10 years. And when I was there, um, I found out about this organization, City Repair. And their mission is to create gathering spaces for neighborhoods, and like outdoor plazas basically so what they did is is they they try to bring together neighborhoods so the um people in the neighborhood will start having meetings and potlucks and just getting people together so they meet each other because often you know Mm -hmm. you don't even know who your neighbors are and so through that that process the the whatever neighborhood that is They'll decide together how they want to proceed to create a gathering space, and often what people have done is is painting the street, like putting a mural or something, like actually on the intersection in the street, um, building cob benches, building places for uh, to share your your garden veggies or clothing or little little mini libraries, but just um, making it beautiful and, and a welcoming and, space for neighbors yeah, to gather. That's, yeah. That just
0: seemed like such a great idea. Um, And I see that so often out here, like, you know, people don't know who their neighbors are still. And, you know, you would think our towns are pretty small out here, but I'm always shocked at how many people don't know who lives on their street.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I don't think it's as much of our culture to to branch out and Mm -hmm. and do that. Like if you you see maybe, you know, down south below the equator, people are outside so much, you know, Mm -hmm. and just in that plaza and there are those gathering spaces and they're out meeting each other. Yeah. And so, yeah, trying to, to help create that here in this environment. And and every year they have an event called the Village Building Convergence and it's 10 days. And so they'll be working on these projects all around the city and people can come and be part of it and volunteer and you can learn how to build cob and, straw bale and just all sorts of different really fun projects and that's what I had been involved in in the past so I know a little bit about um, some of that natural building. But I have an exciting opportunity coming up um, this this winter. Mm-hmm. Um, during my off-season for landscaping, I am going to be going to uh, Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, a friend of mine has a landscaping, permaculture, and natural building business. And so I'm going to go and work for him for three months and so try to just cool. hone some of those skills. Yeah, I'm really excited about oh, what it. What an amazing
0: experience that'll be. I mean, very different, you know, climate and landscape and culture in many ways but oh yeah (laughs) I know but but the the underlying principles especially if you're studying with someone who does a lot of permaculture are are similar wherever you're doing them the the philosophy is the same
1: yep yeah and get yeah getting that experience yeah in different different climates but like yeah as you said those principles yeah so you can bring that
0: bring that back to to the lower columbia and incorporate that into what you're doing
1: yeah, yeah. Well, because when I was in Portland, uh, you know, I was seeing that happening quite a bit. Well, I guess, you know, being mm-hmm. in, involved with city repair, but uh, I haven't seen it as much here in this area. And I would definitely like to see that increase of just more, yeah. more cob building, more community building yeah so i'm excited to see what that brings
0: i feel like gardenings are such a great way to build community as well people growing plants together or just being nosy with your neighbors and walking down your street and looking at other people that's why i always advise people if they want to know what grows well in their area to just walk down their street and like find a garden that you like and if you see someone working out in it just start talking to them (laughs) because mostly gardeners like to talk about what they're doing i think you know, most gardeners are pretty friendly and, and are willing to answer questions.
1: Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's like most people. Whatever your interest is, you're, yeah. you're like, yeah, I want to talk all about it. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I know. So, Cecily, I know that you mentioned to me earlier that your your schedule's pretty booked up and you're not necessarily accepting new clients. But if people did want to get a hold of you and find out more about the work you do or possibly having you work for them or just, you know, talk to you more about some of the things you've talked about, how, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Well yeah, so right now it's just me and one other woman in my landscaping business. Um but we we do have a little bit of space, so um someone could email me and that's at um nursery at gmail dot com. Okay. So rose dot nursery at gmail dot com is the best way to reach you. I'm- yeah, and that's N O O T K A. Rose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. Not everyone knows how to spell
0: that. Um, It's honestly one of my favorite native plants, so I'm always so excited to see your your business name because I just... uh, Nutca Rose is just such a beautiful plant.
1: Yeah. I love all those wild roses, and then that's that's also my middle name is Rose, so I was trying to figure out... I was like, I need a business name. So... (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to come up with them, but I think you found a really good one. (laughs) Thanks.
0: I know. I'm I'm just so happy to have had you come and, and share what you're doing, and it's so inspiring to hear the story of your journey, and uh, and I really look forward to s- to hearing more about your adventures in Australia, and um, and look forward to seeing what you do next
1: thank out here. You. It's going to
0: be fun. So you're you're gone over the winter, and then you'll be back in, in... mid February. Yeah. yeah, and that's
1: usually when the seasons kind of starts to get rolling Absolutely. again. Absolutely,
0: I know. I look forward. Well, thank you so much, Cecily. It's been really great to talk to you, and um, and I uh, I wish you well. With all your all your gardening adventures, thanks so much for having me in, and thank you all for listening to In Season. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.